You might be familiar with Kelly Phillips Herb, or you might also be familiar with her as Tax Girl. She has her own website where she does a blog and has recently started podcasting. She has written for Forbes and Bloomberg. Please join us for a fun interview. Thank you for tuning in to Tax Justice Warriors. So I'm all about take your time because I hate, you know, I think sometimes when you rush is when you're like, hit the very last button. Yeah. Welcome to Tax Justice Warriors, the podcast that celebrates the work of low-income taxpayer clinics, focuses on tax controversy work, and looks at related issues in tax news. I'm your host, William Schmidt, the director of the Low-Income Taxpayer Clinic at Kansas Legal Services. So I am here with Kelly Phillips Herb, but you may know her best as Tax Girl. Many of her writings are out there online. She is really making herself known for sure as a tax expert under the the tax girl authorship name. And you have probably seen her on the Forbes website that um, often she is shown as one of the, the tax authors. And so we have connected that she recently started her own tax girl podcast and we agreed to to one day she's recording and I'm recording when when it comes to our episodes so there is um, separate content for each that that you can listen to but I wanted to welcome Kelly Phillips Herb or also known as Tax Girl to my my website welcome Kelly thank you thank you so much for having me oh sure sure so um, I wanted to start out when did you come to to the the name Tax Girl? What what kind of started that as, as setting yourself out that way? Oh, actually, it's eons ago. So in uh, law school, I had vowed never to take tax. That was um, kind of a joke now, but at the time, I wasn't going to do anything that had to do with tax. I had decided that I was going to do something like glamorous, like international law. And um, through a series of events, I ended up in a class that was taught by a tax professor who I just enjoyed immensely and started following her. Um, And so in law school, I ended up taking so many tax courses that it became kind of a joke that I was tax girl. So when I uh, started practicing in private practice and eventually started my own firm, my very first email right out of the gate was taxgirl at herblot.com. That was my, um, how people knew me. And so Shortly after that, I started my blog and decided to brand it as Tax Girl, and I've been Tax Girl ever since. Well, cool. Does does anyone actually address you as Tax Girl in, instead of Kelly or, oh, or anything yes. like that? Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yes, I actually, um, I was in an airport once, and um, a CPA who I now know well, but did not at the time, actually came up to me in the airport and said, are you Tax Girl? Um, yeah, that's how I think a lot of people, you know, it's easier to remember than Kelly Phillips serve. Um, sure. So, and I don't mind it at all. I actually, I, I like that, you know, it, it's memorable. Um, I feel that it also, it, uh, it's not intimidating because I, I think a lot of tax feels intimidating. So it's relatable. So I'm pleased when people recognize me or, or call me by tax girl. Oh, cool. I, 
somewhat I've, I've pictured you as as maybe having a cape or, or something like that as, as like the <laughs> actually so yeah. one, of, uh, one of the uh, folks on Twitter did a, a really cute drawing um, and uh, it was a tax girl with a cape which I thought was uh, super sweet but um, yeah no, no no superhero cape just regular old tax girl <laughs> oh that's cool well very nice so so what what has led you in into the the tax writing and then then eventually with Forbes how how did you get to to where you are in in, in all of your tax writing and and how how much research do do you do for for the different articles so the the writing actually started really organically um, when we started our own law firm back in the day my, my husband and I practiced together we created our own website which back when we started was uh, in the early 2000s was a new thing. Not a lot of small law firms had websites. And so we were constantly updating it with the news. And it was actually difficult to do on the back end to go in and update it. And I had heard about something called a blog. Um, so I checked it out. And sure enough, there was a software that would do this for you. Um, so I actually started out writing updates for my clients and I found that there wasn't a lot of information available to taxpayers that was accessible. A lot of it was overly technical, written in legalese, directed towards high dollar taxpayers. So it was for your top 1%, but not the person who just wanted to know, you know, where to go to find information with the IRS or how to resolve a, a problem. So I started writing more of those kinds of articles because I saw that they weren't available, and I, it was on my blog. And eventually, um, I had been doing that for a bit, and I used to joke, I thought the only person that was reading was my dad. Um, because <laughs> when you when I was writing in the beginning, you know, it wasn't the kind of thing where you go and you check your stats, and it, it wasn't it wasn't that kind of writing. That wasn't what I was doing. I was writing because I was just trying to get information out there. And um, I found out from the American Bar Association that my blog had been nominated for one of their awards for lawyer, uh, lawyer author blogs. And then shortly after that, I um, got an email from my editor at Forbes who said, we like your piece, um, can we run it? And I remember to this day the piece that it was. It was actually about um, collections and tax amnesty programs, the differences between Pennsylvania and New Jersey. They had very different approaches. Pennsylvania was very aggressive and I thought a bit over the top, whereas New Jersey was much more, hey, if you owe taxes, let's make it right. Um, and I wrote this article about how I thought that the second approach, the New Jersey approach, was a better way to approach tax amnesty. And uh, the article resonated, I think, with folks. And I was asked to become a regular contributor Forms, which I did, and I also now have a regular column with Bloomberg, um, with Bloomberg Tax. So I write those two columns, but I also do my own um, column as well at taxworld.com. As to your question about research, so it depends on <laughs> depends on the day and the topic, because a lot of what I do is kind of evergreen writing, which is topics that come up again and again that taxpayers need to know about, and that requires less research. Um, my Bloomberg articles tend to be a little more technical. They tend to be tax court uh, matters, so I do a lot of research for those. But, you know, again, it kind of depends on the time of year. Like today, um, after I get off of this call, 
I'm going to be reading the text of the, uh, the Senate skinny tax bill. So I will be reading that. I read a lot of legislation um, because I think it's important to know what not only the law is, but the history of how it came to be. Like whether you're looking at something like the CARES Act and the, you know, the stimulus package that was in that. I think it's important to understand the nuance. So I do a lot of reading of legislation. So it's a little light lunch reading, essentially. Exactly. Okay. My husband loves it when at one o'clock in the morning, he's still <laughs> pouring over, you know, a, a piece of legislation from the Senate or something. Yeah. Well, I, I do writing for procedurally taxing, and, and I try and approach it to to, to more of the, the common person reading the, the, the tax article, but it, it's a whole variety of of kind of topics that they will focus on, and, and sometimes it's it's kind of above my my level, but I, I try and plow through it just just to stay in touch with with what they're doing, for sure. And I, yeah, I, and I think people want to know stuff. I mean, not everybody wants to sit down and read you know twelve hundred pages of what Congress has proposed for the CARES Act, but I do think that individual taxpayers really want to know what's in it. They don't want necessarily want the thirty second somewhat politically slanted view, they want to know what's in this. And so that's what I try to do. And that's why I read the legislation, because I do think that, you know, reading through that stuff matters, um, not only so that I understand it, but so that I can make it accessible to folks who maybe, again, during lunchtime don't want to sit down and, and read that, that kind of uh, legislative report. Well, for sure. So this year you've started your own podcast as connected to being Tax Girl and I've I've noticed I've I, I am current on on all the episodes that it's not just tax that you focus on it's it's kind of different topics related to law or or different things so what what's kind of your your thoughts for for the content of the podcast? So it was originally when we when I envisioned it it was going to be strictly tax and then I the very first interview that I did was with Jeff Grant and. Former attorney who served some time in jail for SBA loan fraud. And when he and I were talking, I was kind of struck by the fact that so much of his story wasn't just about the tax piece or the business piece, but it was about money and kind of the way that we think about money. So, um, one of the things that I say in the podcast is that they're conversations about tax, money, and the choices that we make. Um, I'm really big on when people used to ask me in the beginning about tax, uh, you know, why, why do I like it? I would always say because there's practically nothing that you do in your life that isn't somehow impacted by tax or a decision that's been made about tax. Where you buy your home, maybe what kind of job you decided to take, how you save for retirement. A lot of those kinds of decisions are driven by tax policy. And so I think that when we talk about things, so some of the topics in the conversation on, on the podcast have been about, we talked about trademark law. One of the reasons we talked about that is because it comes up in business because the tax laws around the deductions related to legal advice and other things that have to do with trademark can be not as favorable as other small business deductions, depending on the nature of the, the, the expense. And... That becomes not a, am I getting a tax deduction immediately for this, therefore should I do it, but is this a good investment overall for my business, 
to protect my trademark, to um, promote my brand, and how does that impact my money and my tax? So the, the actual uh, conversations that we have, they all have at least a, a seed of tax in them, but there are some of them are a little bit broader, and again, about money and the, and the choices we make. Um, I can tell you that the episode that's coming up um, shortly, there's one where I talked to Richard Hatch from Survivor about uh, his, his time in prison for on, on those tax charges related to not paying the tax on the million dollars from Survivor. Again, it's not so much a tax story as it's a people story about, you know, what led to that, how did that change his life. So, so it's, that, it's those kinds of conversations. Oh, wow. That's, that'll be interesting. Um, I, I was struck by the episode with Brian Cuban about addiction, mental illness, and stigma. Because he was so great to talk to me in that episode. He was so, he was so good on that podcast. Oh, for sure. And I'm, I'm involved with the Kansas City Metropolitan Bar Association that, that this is the, the second year that we are planning a um, lawyer well-being summit, that, that it's a full day focused on different topics of, of attorney wellness. That's wonderful. And, and this, this year, the, the theme is basically trying to drive home to, to the leadership of law firms that it makes business sense to have healthy attorneys. Exactly. Yeah, so I, I, I just was struck by that episode and, and it really resonated with me that, you know, I've, I've, I've dealt with a little bit of anxiety through the years based on, on some stress with, with legal work. And I, I just think it's, it makes so much sense that we need to pay attention to the attorneys and do what we can to, to give them healthy, routines and healthy work life as, as well as as their outside healthy life. Absolutely. And, and it starts with the bar, which is one of the things that, that Brian's been really vocal about. And in fact, there was a recent um, court case that came out. And I, I want to actually say that it was somewhere near you. <laughs> I, have to, I have to double check. But there was a court case that came out where there was um, a, a bar applicant who um, you know, struggled with her application because of stigma related to um, addiction and, and mental illness. And I do think that that's something that we need to address early because, again, you know, making sure that we have healthy attorneys ensures profitable businesses, and it also is good for the client. So, I yeah, that was, that was a great episode, I thought. Yes, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, okay, so I was, I was going to ask, but besides the these projects that keep you busy, you also have your your own practice. What what do you do within your own practice? What what kind of clients do you work with? And um, is is it a kind of how many hours a week are, are you focused on that as compared to, to other your other projects? This is another lawyerly answer, which is gonna be it depends. Sure. Um, the the work at the firm it really is um, because I do a lot of federal tax matters at the firm. So a lot of my time is, um, it's not regularly scheduled, I guess you'd say, because sometimes I'm in holding patterns. So sometimes I'm waiting to hear back from IRS. So I'll focus more heavily on my writing. Um, if it's a busy time where I'm writing a lot of, you know, appeals, or if I am drafting some narratives or, or helping someone with, uh, you know, a lien removal, then when those things are time sensitive, 
of doing that kind of work. Um, I started out in my legal practice doing high net worth estate planning. Um, I actually had interned at the IRS in the estate division. Um, and that's how I started my practice uh, or started my, my uh, role in the, in the legal field. However, as time went on, I was actually finding that some of the folks that I was advising on the estate side often had individual tax issues. They weren't always things like, you know, collections necessarily, but planning matters. Um, and they weren't able to get attention from uh, the folks that they needed to get attention from. So that's kind of a, a I guess, a dodgy way of saying that the sometimes the, the, or at least the perception is that if you have a sophisticated legal matter, it can only be addressed at a top in law firm type type um, firm, and I didn't feel that there was representation for folks who needed sophisticated tax planning and compliance assistance, um, but at a smaller firm and on, on a more personal level. Uh, so that was I started kind of evolving into that, especially as the firm grew. I had other folks who were doing estate planning, um, and I started doing more uh, tax planning and controversy work. So I would say now most of my work actually is tax controversy, at least right now. Um, I think that uh, folks are sometimes less interested in tax planning <laughs> when when times are uncertain. I think people really like to plan when they know things. Um, so right now most of my work is on the controversy side, and I typically focus on federal matters. Okay, that makes sense. Well. To, to kind of wrap things up, you had asked me a final question, and I'm, I'm going to kind of turn the, the tables on you. Um, I, I may paraphrase the question, but if, if you had kind of a blank check for, for tax reform, and, and this could be to, to go into your firm or, or whichever other way, how, how would you use that, that money toward, toward tax reform or, or the tax field? So at my firm, I would love to be in a position to hire folks to help me with kind of the same kind of work that you do, which is low-income taxpayers. Um, I do a lot of pro bono work through our local bar association. I'm also licensed to practice in North Carolina for pro bono through the North Carolina Legal Aid. Um, I'm a North Carolina girl, so that's kind of my way of uh, giving back um, to my home state. Um, and I find that you know it's, it's a really tough balance between paying clients and pro bono work. Um, so I would love to be in a position to assist more pro bono clients. So if I personally had a check, I would either use it for more staff or to um, free up some more of my time so that I could assist taxpayers on those kinds of issues. Um, if I had a check to give to the IRS, I would 100% uh, send it to technology. It drives me insane that I uh, struggle to get transcripts because the CAP unit's not recording the 2848s um, uh, in a timely matter. I think there's a lot of room for improvement on the technology side. So if I could uh, urge Congress to do some reform, it would be towards modernizing the IRS technology. I know when I uh, spoke with uh, the former commissioner, Koskinen, he said they'd had some of those that are in place there since the Kennedy era. So I, I feel like it's time to, to upgrade. Yeah. Yeah, 21st century, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm even, I'm, even, I'm even okay with a little late 20th century at this point. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Well, well, this this has been wonderful. Thank you for your time, Kelly. Thank you for your your volunteer service and and all that you do to educate the public about taxes. I I appreciate your help and, and thank you for coming on to my podcast. And thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. For sure. Thank you for listening to Tax Justice Warriors. We have a Patreon page if you'd like to support this podcast. Providing monetary support for this podcast helps with expenses like equipment or travel to tax conferences. Supporting this podcast through Patreon comes with rewards, so check out our Patreon page. Please rate or review this podcast because positive reviews help get more people to know this podcast exists. The views expressed on this podcast are not official opinions of the IRS, the Low Income Taxpayer Clinic Program, or the employers of the people who spoke on this program. Your tax situation is unique, so do not take the statements on this program as tax or legal advice. Consult with your own tax professional to provide you with specific advice on your situation. Tune in next time on Tax Justice Warriors for another interesting tax discussion.